You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. As it turns out, that wasn't a bit of red capsicum, that was a red chilli that was there. I chucked straight in my mouth and uh, started, you know, pretty much having palpitations from that moment on. Point is, um, you know, what I really like about church is we get to stop. Life is so busy, we're rushing, okay? We're, 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 we try and learn and we try and grow, but we're always going from one thing to another. We never give ourselves time to stop, pray, think of God, read his word, but church gives us that time. Uh, and so that's my prayer. I'm just gonna move this. This is gonna be distracting for me. That's my prayer this morning, that as we open up God's will, as, 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 as we open up God's word, as we partake of this meal together, that we'll slow down, we won't rush, we'll work through it, and we'll let it change us. That's my prayer. Can I pray one more time, um, just as we kind of get in? Lord, we want to thank you once again for your word, for the blessing that it is. Father, I pray uh, that you will take the words of uh, this preacher now, Lord, um, as I humble myself before you, that they will be your words, Father, and not mine, and that they will go forth, and that they will be a blessing uh, to all who are gathered and all who are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we, as we get started, I've got a question uh, to kind of get us started. It's up there on the screen. What drives you in your faith? If you're a believer here this morning, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, what drives you? What actually drove you to come to church this morning? I'm not, I'm not talking about your Ford Fiesta. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying what, what motivated you to come to church or to open up your Bible, or to share your faith, or to run um, the, the, the Christmas boxes. Um, what drives you to do those things? When we see in Philippians chapter 3 that Miriam read out before, this, these are the words from Paul, and Paul is writing these words from prison. Okay, his life has not been an easy life. Um, at this point, he's kind of getting on towards the end of his life. I think he knows that his life is going to end soon. Uh, and uh, throughout the book of Philippians is a very encouraging book because there isn't a lot of challenge. There's a lot of affirmation. But, but one of the challenges that he brings um, in this pa- passage here, he says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count, look at this, everything everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. These beautiful words are written by the Apostle Paul in a dark, damp jail cell. He knows the cost. He knows what it looks like to put all of these things, all of these achievements, all of these things that he's built up in his life to to call them rubbish. Now, what, what exactly is he talking about here? Okay, we actually see, in just in the previous little section, um, Paul kind of rolls this out. He says, Though I myself has, have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reasons for confidence in the flesh, I have more. In verse 5, he, he lists these things out. He says, Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. If, if you were a Jew at the time and you saw Paul, who was originally called Saul before he became a Christian, you would look at Saul and you would think, this guy, he's got it together. 
as far as someone who is faithfully following God, as far as someone who um, is living out the kind of life that God wants, he's got the name, he's got his achievements, he's got all of these things, this guy has it together. That's what you'd think if you saw Paul. He goes on. He says, um, uh, as to the law, a Pharisee, one of the highest and holiest positions that people thought of at the time. Um, as to zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. He was saying, I was so faithful to God, I was persecuting the church. It kind of seems a bit ironic when you look back, but, but, that's what he, but that was the mentality at, at the time. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. In Galatians 1, he shares a bit more of this picture. He talks about the fact that he had advanced in Judaism beyond his years. He was extraordinarily zealous and devoted for his beliefs, for his religion. You see, before Paul, originally called Saul, before he became a Christian, he was busy building his tower of religion. And it was his whole life. It was everything to him. Now, my, my daughter, uh, who was here this morning, she's out at creation. I think my wife is kind of looking after her out there. There she is there. That was taken about a year and a half ago. Uh, and at that time, if you were to uh, kind of visit our house, um, you, it wouldn't take you too long before you hear three words. I do it. Three words which would come out very, very often from our, uh, at the time, two-year-old daughter. There were times that I would be building a Lego tower, one of these. I, I brought this in this morning um, just to kind of keep myself amused here. Uh, this, was, this was something that we really enjoyed doing together is that we would build uh, a Lego tower together. And whether we were, you know, whether it was um, uh, cutting her toast, you know, whether it was um, helping her with her shoes maybe, maybe it was, um, you know, putting on sun cream or whatever it is, all these little things that you do with, uh, with little children, the words, I do it, would come out of her mouth so often. I do it. I do it. And for a two-year-old, that's fine. Because we want our young children to grow in independence. We want them to, uh, to learn how to uh, kind of do these things on their own. The problem is when we bring that same mentality, that, that same mentality of I do it, and we bring it into our faith, that's where it becomes a challenge. I do it. And of course, the world tells us the same thing. When we step out of those doors this morning, the world will tell us the same thing. The, the, the world will say, you've got to do it. You've got to achieve. When Frank Sinatra sang, who knows Frank Sinatra? Frank Sinatra, when he sung those words, I did it my way. I did it my way. It's all about our achievements. I do it. That is the gospel of the world. That's the gospel of the world. A world that says uh, if you invest enough, if you work hard enough, if you do the right things for the right people, then you will find acceptance. Then you will find security. Then you will find fulfillment. 
And so what we do so often is we spend our lives on these things and we build our towers because we want those things. We want lives of fulfillment. We want lives um, that, that mean something that we can look back on and we can be proud of. And so we build our towers. That is the gospel of the world. The problem, of course, and, and, and the gospel meaning good news, the problem is, of course, that's not good news at all. Spending our lives building our towers is not good news at all. Because, you see, God created and designed us to find those things, to find fulfillment, to find acceptance, to find security. He designed us so that we would ultimately find those things in Him and not in the world. If we try and find those things in the world, we find ourselves on a, on a treadmill. You know a treadmill? It never ends. Okay, it just keeps going and going and going. Okay, if, if you run a marathon, you've got a start and you've got an end point. A treadmill, if, it, if it's on, you're just going and going and going. And that's what it can be like to find those things in the world. You find that you earn a certain amount of money or you find the perfect home or whatever it is and then you look at your neighbour and you go, ooh, I want what they've got. If I've got what they've got, that's going to make me fulfilled. And so we jump on this treadmill, this never-ending treadmill, this marathon race where, where, where the, the finish line seems to creep further and further away the more that we run. Now let's compare that for a second with the gospel found in the Bible, the true gospel. I've got my little sign here. If you can't read it at the back, it says, the gospel. And Pastor Steve might help me with this if it doesn't quite sit up right. The gospel. What is the gospel? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 gives us a very, uh, and onwards, gives us a, a nice, clear picture of what that is. It says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world. Verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy. So, so here we are as humanity. We're created in the image of God, but we've gone our own way. We've gone our own way. We've turned away from God. The Bible says that at that point, we're enemies of God. We have seen God as our enemy. And what does God do? He reaches down in love. He reaches down in mercy. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, um, made us alive together in Christ. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your doing. Keep this in mind. This is not of your doing. This is a gift. This is something, God is saying, this is something that I'm going to do. You see, in the passage, in the Philippians passage, when it, when it talks about having a righteousness not of my own, the, the true good news, the good news in the Bible is not that we have to achieve. So it's not like, like God says, okay, I'm going to give you Jesus and now you've got to achieve all these good things to earn your way into heaven. He says, no, no, no. Look at Jesus. He lived the perfect life that we never could. He died the death that we deserved so that we could have reconciliation with him. So that we could have a secure firm foundation, a security in our, in our eternities 
because it's not about what we achieve, it's about what he has done. That is the true gospel and that is the true good news. And this is something that we need to be reminded of. I'm I'm, I'm assuming, because I know Steve is an excellent pastor, and I know that for, for if, if you're a regular Christian and you attend here, that that will not be new news. It's good news, but I know that that won't be new news. This should be something that we come back to over and over and over again. Why? Because the world has their news. The world says you do these things, you achieve these things, that's where you'll get security. That's where you'll get fulfillment. That's where you'll get all of these things. And we tend to gravitate towards our towers. That, that's what we do. We live in a world um, that draws us to there. We've, we've still got this sin nature in us and we gravitate towards building our towers. And sometimes what happens as Christians is it looks, I'll just move this out for a second to make it kind of clear, it looks like this. We're, we've got a foundation of the gospel, but we've built our tower on top of it. That's often what our Christian lives might look like. And I think about so many of the problems in the world. I think about uh, the issue of mental health in the world today. I think if I were to have a sit-down coffee with you, uh, with, with any individual in this room, I think it wouldn't take us too long before we could talk about someone in your life who is directly, and maybe it's even yourself here this morning, who's directly affected by mental health. It's a massive issue today. And I think a lot of it has to do with the gospel, quote-unquote, of the world, which says achieve more, do more, work harder. Look at, look at the person on social media who's doing so much better than you. You've got to be more like them. Look at your friend's uh, you know, retirement portfolio. Look, look at what they've invested in. You should be more like them. That's what the world tells us. But that's not what God tells us. And so we build these towers and these towers drive us, but so often they cause us to become unbalanced. And, and, and at the end of the day, these materials, when we build these towers, these materials that we build, of, uh, that we build them from are of self-righteousness. They're our own things that we do in our own strength. And we're trying to prove ourselves to a God who has already redeemed us. Or we're trying to prove ourselves to the world who we've placed in the place of God. But the gospel is not about what we do to, for God. The gospel ultimately is what God has done for us. Because it means that the work of redemption on our behalf is complete. It means our debt of sin is already paid. It means that although we were once enemies of God, he has reconciled us to him. It means our salvation and our home in heaven are guaranteed in Jesus. It means that you have been adopted into God's family. You've been adopted. When you're adopted, you take on the name of the person who you've, of the family that you've been adopted into. When you're adopted, you, you get the same kind of inheritance that, uh, that, that you know, the other children um, get. You get every blessing as, as a true child as you do as an adopted child. And there is now no condemnation for us. 
The gospel should change us. That's my point here this morning. The gospel ultimately should change us because we're not living out our faith in order to please God or to please the world, but we live out our faith um, out of gratitude of what God has already done for us. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Of knowing Jesus. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So when Paul is looking at this tower, he's looking back on these things that he has achieved, particularly before he became a Christian, all these things which would identify him as a godly person, he looks at him and he says, these things are rubbish. They're rubbish. They don't belong there. And then he says, ultimately what I want is to know Christ more. This is what our lives should look like. This is what our lives should look like. It doesn't mean that we can't have achievements in our life. That's fine. It doesn't mean that we can't, um, you know, invest wisely and and have, um, you know, private health insurance or or any of these things which kind of help us to to, to live out the kinds of lives. But at the end of the day, we've we've got to ask the question, what does my life look like? Where do I get my identity from? If we're getting our identity from our social media profile, if we're getting our identity from our bank account or the things that we've we've achieved, we're just building our tower. Paul is saying, no, none of that stuff, ultimately, none of that stuff matters. It's rubbish. So cast it aside and recognise the gospel is what our lives should be looking like. And so what does that look like then? What does it look like? If, if this is our life, what does that actually look like day to day? I've got one word. I'll expand on it, but it starts with one word. That word is freedom. Think about that for a second. That word is freedom. Freedom. You see, if if we can understand this truth, if we can truly say, yes, ultimately at at the end of the day, this is what my life is going to look like. It's going to look like a demonstration of the gospel. It's going to look like Jesus. Then we are free from the gospel, quote unquote, that the world tries to, to buy us into. This never-ending treadmill, this treadmill of achievement and earning and comparing ourselves to others. This, this treadmill that we face every single day. It doesn't matter what age you are. This is something that we face every day. But we can be free from that when we say all of these things, ultimately at the end of the day, they don't matter. And the reality is, it's so true. I remember um, my grandmother passed away a couple of years ago and um, she was a, a faithful woman of God. She had such a heart for new people in the church. She went to a, a church in Southport, not my, not my church, a different one, a Baptist church in Southport. 
Uh, she had such a heart for people. Her and my grandfather would often invite people over. As she got towards the end of her life, um, she, had, she suffered from a serious case um, of dementia. Dementia is a horrible illness. And it stripped her of everything. Um, you couldn't, rec- you know, uh, she, like, you know, I, I would often catch up with my mum and her for coffee, and um, most of the time she wouldn't even recognise me. I would have to kind of introduce myself, say this is who I am. She called me by my brother's name, and I said, no, 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 that's my brother Adam, this is me, I'm Brad, I'm, I'm the cool one, I'm the one that you like the most. Um, but so much of who she was and any achievement, um, you know, they, 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 you know, put money into this house, all of those things were gone. They didn't mean anything anymore. And just think about this for a second. Ultimately, that's going to be the case for all of us. Whether, you know, whether dementia is, you know, going to be in your future or not, but that's not the point. But at the end of the day, this life that we have will end. This life that we have will end. Your achievements your security, your investments, they're going to end. What do we have left? This. This is what we have left. And so my challenge and encouragement for you this morning is to live that life of freedom. To live that life um, not building this tower, but standing firm on the gospel and letting your life be a demonstration of the gospel as you live it out, as you serve here in church, as you love your neighbor, as you catch up for that person with coffee. And, you know, I think about um, some of the people who, I, who, I'm, um, you know, who, I'm, who I'm friends with. Some of them uh, go to our church, some of them don't. Um, but there's a couple who... Uh, you know, probably in the next couple of years are looking at retirement. Um, all their kids have grown up and left the house, but they have adopted um, young children. They're spending the, the last, you know, kind of section of their life, rather than going on holidays, they're using that to adopt um, children who are in need. I think about a friend of mine who I work with, who, uh, who I actually went to school with, and she, um, after finishing high school and then graduating university, um, she could have pursued a life of of finding a partner, finding a husband, uh, having a family. She went, she had the freedom because she wanted her life to be a demonstration of the gospel. She felt the freedom to be able to go and she lived the life of a missionary for 10 years, more than that. Um, And now she's back and she's got those other things. But that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. It's having a life of freedom to pursue the things of God, not of the world. So as my last thought for us this morning, how is this good news for us today? How is this good news for us today? I talked before about leaving this church this morning, heading out those doors, hopping in your cars. As we head out into the world, we are going to be confronted with the expectations of the world. If you drive up the highway, we're going to see it as we drive up the highway or wherever you're driving, you're going to see advertisements um, saying to you, you're not good enough. 
But if you buy this thing, you will be. You're going to be driving past other people who, who you might think they've got nicer cars than me or they've got a nicer house than me. Man, I wish I could be doing those things. Oh, such and such has gone on a holiday. Man, I wish I could be going on that holiday. Those things are fine. But they're not the things that life is about. And so it's good news today that we can have freedom from those expectations. You, you if, if you're married and you've got a family, um, you, you, you and your spouse can decide what does it look like for us to live out a life that is faithful to God? Let's not worry about, you know, in, like income is important. Yeah, okay, we, we've got to have an income, but you know, we, our goal isn't to earn as much money to buy the biggest house possible and all these kinds of things. What does it look like for us to, to live out the gospel, to be free to live out the gospel in our lives? As people who are maybe in their later um, years of life, what does it look like for you? Now, now that you've, you've got time, um, you know, you're not committed into work, what does it look like for you to have freedom, to be a demonstration of the gospel? Who are your friends who don't know Jesus that you could spend time with? What about your grandchildren? Do they know Christ? What does it look like for you to, to put aside these, these, these expectations of the world and to just invest into them, to, to be a demonstration of the gospel for them. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. I pray that can be our heart this morning for all of us here. Let me pray. Father, we are just so thankful once again for who you are and for the gospel that you have shown to us. Father, I pray that now as we just reflect on the words, as we reflect on your word, that that truth will become so real for us. Lord, that the reality of the gospel will change us. Lord, that by your spirit you will mold us, change us, help us to see what your priorities are in this life. Lord, and that we'll be willing to die to this never-ending treadmill of life achievement. Lord, that we'll be able to die to that. Lord, we'll be able to come before you, understand who we are based on what you have done for us and live lives of freedom from there. Thank you for your word. I want to thank you for this church. And I pray that you go with us now. In the name of Jesus, amen.